Hi everybody, great that you could tune in to Planet Shakers today. Well, I'm preaching on the subject of your spiritual authority, your authority as a Christian. And uh, I'll be using as a bit of a guide, the centurion and his great faith. I know you'll enjoy the message today. Settle back, I hope it's a blessing to you and I hope it inspires you to start to reach out in your authority today. Father, would you anoint your word today? Let it be especially powerful. Would you shake us and stir us, impact us? And then I'm gonna ask you, Lord, if you'd come and move in power. We give you praise now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. I wanna talk to you today about living in kingdom authority. Bible says in the book of Romans chapter five and verse 17, and you all know it by heart, You can all quote it together, let's go. If, that is pathetic. If through one man's sin, if through one man's sin death reigned by one, how much more shall we who have received This is not good. This is pathetic. Even my wife got it wrong. How much more shall they who have received the gift of righteousness reign in life by one Christ Jesus? You were born to rule and reign and live in dominion. Adam sold out dominion. Jesus came to restore dominion, authority, if through one man's sin, through one man's sin, death reigned by one, how much more, much more, much more, shall we who have received the gift of righteousness reign, the word reign, basileus, kingly rulership, dominion, stretching the scepter of authority, ruling in power, ruling majestically in kingdom power. How much more shall we reign in life by one Christ Jesus? You know, the word authority, word authority means the power or right to give orders, make decisions or enforce obedience. We have been given authority to enforce obedience in the heavenly realm. In fact, we've been given authority to rule and reign in every realm. The word authority means power, jurisdiction, control, masterly, mastery, charge, dominance, dominion, rule, sovereignty, supremacy, delegated or given right to take authority, to rule. I was uh, a new Christian many years ago. In fact, it's 40 odd years ago. I started a little church. We began a little church in a little town in South Australia. And I was a school teacher, but I had a a group meeting and 30 or 40 people were meeting and and we were having great meetings, things were happening. And uh, one night a meeting was happening and a gentleman arrived who had a few major problems. From what I remember, and it's alleged, and I think it's alleged reasonably accurately, that he did kill a couple of people. And he came in 
And when he came in, he was, I think he was wearing his pyjamas, if I remember, something pretty strange. And I sent everybody home, I thought, and I said to him, I'll talk to you straight after. And everybody left and I said, all right, let's sit down and talk. And when I sat down to talk to him, he wasn't a very big guy, but his eyes went strange and he began to make some very weird sounds and I could see that things were not going to be good. I remember people doing that sort of thing in past days. And, and uh, as I watched him, he started to get incredibly aggressive and uh, I thought, I'm gonna have to take authority here, but I began to think more of physical authority than spiritual authority. And so I did what any rud rud bledded, what red blooded male would do. I attacked him, flattened him as hard as I could on the ground, dropped knees and elbows into him, and then got his arm and drove his arm up his back and pinned him down. And then. I, I'd watched a lot of wrestling, so I got him into a position where I now had a leg scissors on him. He wasn't a very big guy, he was a skinny little guy, and I had him locked in, arm up his back, and uh, thinking if I, and he was growling like a wolf, carrying on like a mad idiot, screaming, thought if I let him go, he's gonna kill us both. And so I, then all of a sudden I had a revelation, is this how it was done in the Bible? But then I also had a thought, no, it's probably not. However, I'm not letting him go. I'll take authority, still using some wrestling locks. So I said, in Jesus' name, and with that, we took off like riding a bull into the air. In Jesus' name, I rode him round and round that room. Jesus' name, hanging on. I was like, riding, like riding a bull. Eventually, we were both completely worn out. I have no idea if the demon went, I don't think it did. Even it was tired and he just went home. And I stood there wondering, what was that about? And I realized I hadn't really approached it biblically. But that was my introduction. I do approach deliverance very differently now, but that was the beginning. I was learning, as you do. Someone's turn to someone and say, as you do. But you see, most Christians don't really know their authority. They don't know their kingdom authority. When Jesus went about, everywhere he went, people marveled because he spoke with authority. He went into a temple, into the synagogue, and a man, demon manifest, and guy began to manifest a demon, and Jesus cast the thing out of him, and was screaming. Jesus cast it out of him. The man was in his right mind, and the people went out saying, the Bible says they were amazed, and that Greek word ekpleso, Ek out of pleso the mind or out of their head. They're blown out of their mind is literally what it means. They were blown away and they said, what word is this that he speaks? What is it about this man? When he speaks, there's authority in the spirit realm. When he speaks, there is something happens in the realm of the spirit. He has authority over devils, they obey him and they come out. People talked and they said, what is this authority? For with authority, he speaks, not as the scribes, not as the doctors of the law. Because when he speaks, stuff happens. That's how we're supposed to be. When we speak, something's supposed to happen. God says he broods over his word, 
to make it happen. People were amazed, the disciples were amazed. He stilled a storm with the words, be still. And they said, what word is this? What manner of man is this? That when he speaks, even the wind and the waves are subject. What is this authority? Even the Pharisees came to him because they knew something was happening. And they said, tell us, teacher, by what authority, by what delegated power, by what spiritual force, by what dominion are you doing this thing? He said, I'll ask you a question. The baptism of John, was it from God or was it from man? And they thought to themselves, and they thought if we say it's from God, he'll say, why didn't you listen? If we say it's from man, they'll stone us. They said, we don't really know. And he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I operate. But there was one person who came to Jesus who really had an understanding of that authority. That was a Roman centurion. And you read about him in Matthew 8 and Luke chapter 7. The centurion was working, they were building a synagogue. That was the Romans when they were not fighting, they built things, they built roads, they built aqueducts. They, and here they were, encouraging, they were encouraging the Jews by building a synagogue. There was a balance all the way in that, in that nation at the time. We haven't got time to go there and talk about that, but he was a Roman centurion and he, he had a servant who was dying. We all know the story. His servant was critically ill. And he said to the Jewish leaders, would you go down? He knew that Judaism couldn't help him. He knew the Roman gods couldn't help him. I knew that medically the best doctors that he could pay for couldn't help. But he had heard about this Jewish preacher who was being known for powerful signs and wonders and demonstration. He maybe had seen it. Maybe he'd heard about it. But he knew that this man had something that could answer his problem. He sent the Jewish leaders down. And they came and they said, he's a worthy man. He's building a synagogue. This centurion is a great man. But he came and he said, I'm not worthy. In fact, he said, my servant lies at home, but I'm not even worthy that you come under my roof, but you just speak a word. I know my servant will be healed. Now, to really understand this man, I want to go back in history. Those of you that know me know that I love history. I, I spend too much time watching the History Channel. Um, it's the only part of television that's any good, History Channel and football. Those two things are essential, essential. The bounce, the bounce, footy matches, occasional, and History Channel. You don't need anything else. Nothing else. So, anyway, let's not go there. Who was a centurion? Who were they? Well, to understand just who this man was, we need to go back and have a look at a Roman legion. So I'm gonna ask our brothers and sisters to put this up. And here we have the breakup and the structure of a Roman legion going into battle. A Roman legion in the first century was broken up this way. If you can imagine, they're going that direction, they're going up. We have 10 cohorts. The legion of 6,000 men plus um, 
is broken up into about 5,500 soldiers all together. And uh, it is broken up into 10 main sections. You have your reserves ready to come in and fill the gap when they get killed and you've got your light troops and you've got your cavalry. But the legionnaires or the block of your legion is these 10 cohorts. Um, so the 6,000 men is broken up really into 10 parts. Each of those parts is broken up into six parts. Each of those cohorts have six centuries approximately. Now, what is a century? It used to be 100 men, but by the first century, the same name, but only 80 men. But each of the, can you follow me? Everyone clear? All right. That's, you're not getting an exam on it, so don't worry. Jackie says, don't go into all that cohort stuff. Oh yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. Each of those centuries are made up of about 80 men. And these men are overruled by a gentleman who is called a centurion. Now, if you look at it up there and you see the first and the second cohort, those two cohorts, they are overseen by the chief centurion who has tremendous authority. He's been incredible in battle. He's worked his way up. He's probably 50 years of age, hard as nails, scarred all over, grisly and mean old mongrel. And, uh, but he is, he is responsible then. He's in charge of all the centurions. So with him having two, that means all up, there are 59. All happy with that? Is say, whatever, whatever. How many are finding this useless information? You're too nice to put your hand up, I know. Anyway, here's your centurion. Now, here's some things about this guy. He is under authority from above, from the, the right up to the Caesar, down through consuls, generals, tribunes, uh, camp prefects, chief centurion, right down to him. The centurion had to be over 30 years of age. He had to be experienced in battle and he was hardened. He had proved himself in battle that he didn't flinch and he took his stand, that he could be totally depended on. He was faithful to the death. There's some characteristics with these guys that I want in my life as a Christian. Faithful unto death. I read it in the Bible. These guys were faithful to Rome, faithful to the death, serving the Caesar, and they would fight to the last man and very often did. Immovable. Bible talks of standing. These guys knew how to stand. Bible tells us Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles and methods of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, boom, boom, boom. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may withstand or stand against in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt, your breastplate of righteousness, helmet, etc. Standing is a great key in the Bible. The study of the word stand will tell you that one of the things God loves is people that will not move under pressure. That know who they are, know what they are, know their place, and are not gonna be blown around because they're ignorant, but they are standing on the word of God. They're standing strong on the word of God and they will not be moved. Well, I hope you're enjoying the message. Uh, the old centurion is very inspiring. He's an inspiring person. I know you, you're gonna love all about him, but we wanna look at your authority. 
and you exercising authority, and you stepping out in your authority, the Bible says God has called you to rule and reign in life. I trust the message is helping you in that area. God bless today. The centurion was literate. In other words, he had to be very good at reading and writing. That wasn't the case with many of them. But this guy had to be able to read accurately and understand and speak it so he would take orders coming down and assess them accurately and word for word pass on so that he acted exactly on that order. He was set as the order receiver and giver who was in control of leading the army. These guys were the backbone of the force. These were the guys who for hundreds of years caused the Roman legions to win battle after battle because they were immovable, they passed orders on exactly, they enforced orders exactly, and they moved as an unstoppable unit. There's much to learn about the Roman legions. I believe God's talking to us about being literate. Too many Christians are illiterate. Too many Christians don't hear the voice of God. Too many Christians don't have their ears tuned to hear what the Spirit is saying. A lot of Christians say, why doesn't God use me? Because very often they're not literate, they're not waiting on God and spending the time with a listening ear saying, you give me the orders, I'll act on them. Things start happening in your life when you spend the time waiting on God and becoming spiritually literate. Bible says of David's mighty men, they understood the times and they knew exactly what to do in those times. God, well, I could get excited. God is looking for people who know the times and know what to do. I wanna know what God, where God wants to take us. What nation? We're going to India in December. So how's it all going? Easy. I've only got to make $52,000 this week. And you think I'm joking. It's a huge thing, massive. But we feel God's in it and stuff's opening. God's been speaking stuff to me. I'm saying, Lord, speak to me. I wanna know what to do in these next few years. And I wanna know where to be, what countries, how to get there, who to work with, what people to be involved with in these nations. God, I gotta have a tuned ear. I have to be literate in the spirit. Someone says, time to get literate. <coughs> Our Christians say to me, I never hear from God. I say, do you take time in your word? How much time a day do you spend waiting? How many hours do you spend hungry? How often do you set yourself aside and get away for a few days and say, I'm not leaving here until I've heard? It's time to get literate. He always led from the front. This guy always led from the front left, right at the front left. And he stood out like a beacon. He was a target because he dared to leave from the front. He wore on his head a a, uh, a large thingamy bob, well, I had the word. What do you call it, Jack? A crest, a crest. I'm looking for the word, a crest. Of different colors so that you could tell who was the guy on the front row, not leading, from, not pushing from behind and saying, you guys go and do this thing. He was saying, come on, this is how you do it. Leadership 
The greatest leaders lead from the front. They don't tell you what to do, they show you how to do it. The greatest inspiration show people what to do. Alexander the Great led from the front in every battle he was ever in. Wounded with every, every part of his body was covered in wounds and cuts and hecks. He stood before his army one day and said, well, my entire body is cut and hacked in battle, but I've led from the front in every battle. Leaders, a leader can't take people where they haven't gone themselves. The centurion is taking a group of young men in a battle that he has learned and been trained in. Leadership, he's a marked man. The death rate of centurions was high because they wouldn't move. They'd never leave their position. They'd never run. They were ruthless. The center, now, when we're talking leadership in the church, we probably can't talk quite like this. He was ruthless. He was a rigid disciplinarian. His own discipline had got him his position. He walked with a whip which was made of vines. He carried that. When he was on parade, if a man was not dressed correctly, he would thrash him with that whip. A man went to sleep, he would have him ordered to put tar or pitch and set him on fire. He had the power to have men flogged. If they showed weakness in battle, he'd have them scourged. They pulled out in battle, he would have them scourged or even the power of death. He was feared. It is said that the Roman centurion was feared by his men more than the coming enemy. And here is a hardened centurion. A hardened centurion in rulership over a defeated nation. A centurion walking the streets of Jerusalem or Capernaum where he was, or any of the cities, walking the streets with the Jews trembling as this man walked with his men in total control. And yet this centurion comes to Jesus. He follows the Jews. When he comes to Jesus, he addresses him as follows. Here he is, set, set under the dominance and strength of Rome, under the Caesar himself. And he comes to Jesus and the first word he says is, Lord, my servant lies at home sick. The word Lord is a powerful word in the Greek, it's kurios. You know what it means? Supreme in authority. Here is a Roman centurion comes to a Jewish preacher and says, you who are supreme in authority. Supreme one. I don't think that would go down well with those above him. I think he could be in very major trouble, even, even put to death for a statement like that of disloyalty. These guys are never disloyal. Kurios, supreme in authority. I am not worthy for you even to come under my roof. Dominating Roman, in dominance over defeated people, Sir, I'm not worthy to even come under your roof. But if you just speak a word, just say a word, and I know that my servant will be healed. Something about the centurion. The centurion understood 
that when Jesus spoke, things would change. Something happens when we begin to take this book, and I'm preaching to myself right now. Something happens when we take this book, because all the promises of God are yes and amen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Have I not said it, will I not do it forever, O Lord? Thy word has been established in heaven. There has not failed one of all of his good promises which he made unto Moses his servant. The word is life to them that find it health to all their flesh. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Something happens when we dare to believe that this word is true when we start to trust this word. We live in a society of relativism where people are working on their emotions and their feelings. But as a Christian, we don't work from those areas. We work from thus saith the Lord. We don't work from well the world thinks this or we think that or whatever. We work from thus saith the Lord. The Lord said it, I believe it, that settles it. He said, God, I trust your word. You just say it a word. Then he made an interesting statement. He said, sir, I too am a man set under authority. I'm set into a major position in the Roman legion that is so significant that when that order comes to me and I pass it on, it will be obeyed exactly. I see that you are set under some power, some majestic power that I don't even understand, which is so mighty that when you speak, the whole realm of the natural and the spirit realm are subject to your words. Just say in a word. Just say in a word. Jesus said, go your way. And the servant was healed that very hour. But Jesus turned to the crowd around and the Bible says, Jesus marveled. I don't know about you, but I'd like to cause Jesus to marvel. I want my faith to cause Jesus to marvel. I want, him, I want to begin to trust him so he marvels. I want to begin to take him his word. I want to be so literate in the spirit that I hear what he's saying. Either in my spirit or out of the word. I too am a man set into a place of authority. I say to this man, get up and go. And he goes, I say to that one, get up and go and he will go. But he, I recognize that you, sir, are under an authority so much greater. You are truly kurios, supreme. Can I tell you today, he's the supreme one. He's in dominion in your life and mine. He operates in dominion. All power is given in his name. All authority on earth is given in the name of Jesus. And he's bringing his church to a place where we are to begin to demonstrate it, to move in it, to carry it, to declare it. Excuse me, getting excited. Someone said, you're gonna crack a lot of jokes today. Nope. <laughs> Some days I do, but not today. But you know, we've got to understand our authority. You see, when Jesus left the earth, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be empowered with power from on high. Baptism of the Spirit is an empowerment where the fullness of God himself comes in and changes you. I was a drunk. When I got saved, I was drinking more tequila than most people drink water. Every night of the week, I was drinking school teaching, lining up four or five shots and go back and have tequila, go out and 
go back and teach school, abstract art, I think I told you before. And then I'll start up again at night, and at the weekend I'll drink ethyl alcohol, 100% proof. Just live crazy, pickling my liver, drunk, mad. But Jesus got hold of my life. And I got washed in the blood of Christ. And Jesus set me free and he came in and filled that vacuum within and changed me on the inside. And then he began to put his word in there and then he began to speak and say, that power that's in you, I've given you authority to release it in my name. He said to the apostles, all power, all authority is given in my name. Go ye therefore. But that word wasn't just to them. It was to you, your children, to those who are far off and as many as the Lord shall call to himself, that's you and I. And he says, my friend, all authority is given in my name. Go and declare and speak and change the world in dominion. The Bible says that we are kings and priests under God and we're born to rule and born to reign and born to have authority. Are we set under authority? It's better than being set under authority. We're seated in authority. You say, you're set under authority? I'm seated. The Bible says we're quickened together, raised together, seated together with him in Ephesians 2, in heavenly places, far above all rule, dominion, power, authority will rule us. Far above, we're looking down on them. We're coming from the place of universal dominion with authority in the name of Jesus to say to devils, your power's gone. To say to the sick, you're finished. To say to the person that's bound by drugs, you're free and break that thing. Seated with him in the place of eternal dominion. Jesus said this to us. I'm nearly finished. I better put my glasses on just to see what the time is. Faith, it's just seeing right now. He said, have faith in God. Mark 11, 23, 24, he said, translations say have faith in God. That's not what it says in the Greek. The Greek says have the God kind of faith. Have God faith. For if you start to speak and you speak to this mountain and you don't doubt in your heart, but you say to this mountain, get up and move. You do not doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say is gonna come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. And he says, have that dominion in your mouth. See, God wants to take us. So many Christians don't even understand what I'm talking about today. So many Christians just get by and exist in their Christian walk without ruling and reigning as kings in authority and strength in circumstance of life. That's enough. That's enough. But maybe today you've come into church and you're a Christian. Or maybe you've come today and you've come out of curiosity but There's something within you that says, I want to begin to live a new life. I want to be be changed in here so that my life is free of the junk and there's a purpose and a power 
and a strength and an authority to live a whole new life of righteousness and strength and grace and power and prosperity and I want to have a life that's righteous and strong and blessed and a blessed family and all of these things. But I need to be forgiven of a lot of stuff. I need Jesus to come and wash me clean of all sin I've ever committed. I need Jesus to come in and fill that great gap that's in here. And maybe you've come in today and you feel a big vacuumous gap inside you that says, I don't know, I've got everything, but this thing aches at me. I want this reality of God in me. Maybe you're backslidden today. And you once knew what it was to be filled with the love of God and feel the power of God, feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost, but something within you says, I've lost it. I've walked away and now I feel empty, but there's this hunger still. I want Jesus today. I want to come back to him today. I need to come back. And there's a pull within you that says, I've got to come back to him. Maybe you've been a churchgoer for years, but you say, well, I've never come to know this authority. I, I don't even know if I'm saved. I've been to church for years. But there's a hunger in me today that says, I need what you're talking about. I need a living relationship with Jesus. I want my sins gone, and I want Christ to come and give me a new beginning. Maybe you're just hearing this for the first time, and a light's gone on. And like the centurion, you're having that revolution that says, I truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, it was a centurion who stood at the base of the cross as Jesus died. And as the ground shook and the earth went black, the centurion pointed his finger and said, truly this man was the Son of God. It was a centurion seeking the face of God and wanted to know salvation. His name was Cornelius. And there was a miracle with Peter that brought Peter to his house. And Peter spoke to a group of people there. I'm sure it was the centurion and there would have been soldiers, Roman soldiers sitting there and their wives and their children and their friends. But I think they would have been dominantly Romans, maybe some Jews. But when the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, it fell on a Roman centurion and his soldiers and friends. It was centurions that helped Paul. Centurions, for some reason, understood authority. Strong, tough men, but they understood spiritual authority. And maybe you're like those Romans and you don't know much about Jesus, but there's a hunger in you to know the things that I've talked about today. Shall we bow in prayer for a moment? And as our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed right across this building. I want to ask you today, how many would say, I need Jesus today? I, I need, there's a hunger in me, and I need this living relationship. I need to be saved. Jesus, I need you to come into my life today. I have a vacuum that needs to be filled. You don't know the cry of my life, and today, I believe that Jesus Christ is my answer and I'm ready to go His way. If that's you, wherever you're seated, if you're watching online, I would like you to lift your hand wherever you are, just to lift it up and say, that's me. You know about God, but you've never found Him. You've been a church girl, never come to know Him. 
or you're away from God or you're backslidden and that's you today and you say, I want Jesus in this session. I want you to do a simple thing with me. I want you to pray a simple prayer. It's a prayer of invitation. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he said, I'll come in with you. I'll sup with you. You with me. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'll actually come and live within your life. God bless you. Is there anyone else who'd like to come? Why don't you do that as we're about to pray? I want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now. It's a prayer of invitation. Pray it out loud to Him. Everybody might like to pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, today I open my heart to You. I ask You to come in to change me, to make me new. I give You my life. I receive You as my Saviour, my Lord, my King, in Jesus' name. And now I'm praying for you, Father, for each one here. I break every hold the devil's had on them. Every foul thing out of hell that's been against their lives. And Lord, I set them apart to you. May they have major breakthrough today. May they be broken through into the kingdom in a great way for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Harmony, they with you. Well, thanks for tuning in today. I hope the message has inspired you, helped you, and been an encouragement. Be sure to follow us on social media, on all the different areas of our social media, online, whatever. It's so good. We love you and thank you for today.